Welcome to the Wayne Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and this is the show where we talk to networking experts about the data services that make business possible. So certainly anyone who's listened to the show quite a bit, uh, network automation as, as a broad concept comes up very often uh, and is likely on the minds of most folks that are tuning in. Something we really haven't talked about, I think, explicitly on the show is is the sort of HR aspect of of upskilling workers to uh, accommodate these changes, maybe even acquiring new talent um, as you make these transformations and make it work with the services that are out there. Perhaps transforming network engineers into software developers is not necessarily what everyone is super excited to do. Uh, so to help us think through all of that, since I know very little about this topic, I'm very happy to welcome to the show Michael Martin, who is the Senior Expert of Networking and Network Security at McKinsey & Co. Welcome, Michael. Hi there. All right, so Michael, I I think uh, we we first met um, when you were on the Enterprise Advisory Council at the uh, group formerly known as Metro Ethernet Forum, um, and then after that, uh, you've become a frequent speaker at at the New York uh, WAN Summit or maybe virtual iterations. <laughs> I think yes. I think you got to actually virtual. go to one of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, so so I I've heard your background a little bit and whatnot in that. Um, I think most of the listeners are probably well familiar with uh, McKinsey and Company, but could you take us through, uh, you know, a little bit of of how you got to where you are and and what exactly you're doing over at McKinsey? Right. So, so I've been with the with the firm uh, almost almost for two decades, and right. largely I, I focused uh, <clears throat> a good part of that time dealing with in issues with the firm itself, like how we deal with mm -hmm. our own connectivity, how we support you know, our consultants and um, both in the offices and, and remotely. Um, in the last, you know, I would probably say last five or six years, um, mm -hmm. as we've been basically embracing um, <clears throat> a larger and larger approach to, uh, to technology as well, like everyone else, uh, I've been basically also helping client teams and, and working with some of our clients occasionally on trying to figure out, you know, some of these challenges around how to basically, you know, become a digital entity, so to speak. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a really great so, background because you, you're coming from sort of doing your internal clients have mostly been, you know, sort of uh, uh, employees at McKinsey, you know, doing the job that a lot of our listeners are WAN managers for non sort of like telecom oriented Fortune 1000 kind of companies. But now you have that perspective of working with some of those other enterprises and sort of helping them figure this out based on what you figured out. Uh, is, that, is that fair to say, right? Yeah, ex exactly. And, and of course, before I joined the firm, I had also worked at ISPs. Um, I worked at America Online at, at some point uh, and for a number of startups. So I was lucky enough when I came to the firm to have a, a, a sort of an industry-based perspective, mm -hmm. which I was able to help sort of transform how uh, the firm addressed these things. So I've right. been very fortunate um, to in my time at the firm, and it's it's really been an, an amazing um, experience. Um, and it's 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 an amazing place to work, as you could probably imagine. So yeah, well, if it topic, kept you for two decades, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, this the, the the actually the the topic for me for my whole career largely has been around how to basically um, <clears throat> bring network engineers uh, 
into a sort of a professional uh, <clears throat> development uh, track. Because mm -hmm. when it was funny, when I started, I was originally a systems person. And mm -hmm. then I basically um, <clears throat> gravitated networking just because it was just more interesting. And, and I liked the software and the hardware aspects of it. So, but what I found out was, as I was basically moving on, that what you would find is that you'd have people who were systems oriented, and then you'd have people who were networkers, who tra came traditionally from a telecom background. Right. And they don't necessarily, you know, have the same skill sets or even the same approach to how they vision uh, mm -hmm. solutions. So, mm -hmm. you know, this topic of network automation, you know, has, as it's basically been emerging over the last, you know, decade, has really become very interesting because whereas traditionally network automation and orchestration was something that was really done at very, very large scale uh, right. in telecommunications on the carrier level, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, at the carrier level in the ISP space, etc. It, it really wasn't something that um, really took hold until really the, the the really the chain the turn of the century when mm -hmm. you know enterprise networking really started to come into its own. And now, well, you really couldn't operate without a without a wide area network anymore. And and I think right. that's been the big shift. The challenge I find so what's so interesting is that you know, a lot of the current practitioners, they missed that whole decade of, mm. of the pain mm -hmm. that we all had to yeah. go through to get yeah. to this point. And, and because they, you know, sort of came to, um, you know, a, a technology space that, you know, um, has matured very rapidly to basically facilitate amazing um, <clears throat> levels of connectivity, the, those, those, that first decade, right, that in the, in the 1990s, really formed a lot of what happens today, and um, it, it's helpful to have those, to be able to have those, that mindset of understanding, you know, the approaches that we take to when we want to look at problems like network automation, and and now what is known as network orchestration. Right. That's that's a really interesting way to frame it. I. I, I always uh, kind of joke I should I should make a little jingle for the show because I think I, I start out most of our shows with uh, asking my guests to, to to clearly define exactly what it is we're talking about because in the in the telecom and IT space everyone can use uh, terms in in a very subjective way right? you know, so, um, I, I I like that framing of thinking it of it from like the 90s of like you know sort of a, a network was maybe private lines between an office in, in another office or a hub and spoke or something like that. When when a lot of folks hear the term network automation, the first thing that comes to mind, depending maybe on what side they're on, is is uh, you know SDN or uh, on the end user side SD WAN. But you're talking about a network automation that has much deeper roots in in things like uh, what like frame relay and MPLS or or uh, what is it that you're sort of envisioning here? Well, again, it, it's more about thing thinking of it in this terms. So. Mm -hmm. Networking automation, right, is essentially a task-oriented function, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if it goes back to what automation is, right? Right. You know, the thing about automation is that we automate because we're trying to basically um, eliminate errors. We're trying to right. make a better product. We're trying to deliver faster. We're trying to enable, right, um, <clears throat> you know, something. But there's a massive investment that goes into automation, right? If you right. look at where automation is, is predominant, right, in manufacturing, um, you know, you couldn't do what we do today as a society without having automation, but there's a large investment into it. 
So the challenge comes in is that first you have to be able to think about things in an automated in an automated way. If you mm-hmm. think of network automation as task um, automation, right? I want anything that can something. be repeated easily shouldn't be done exactly. by a human, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It's this repetitive function, right? Now, whereas when we get into software-defined networking and say the cloud and even large-scale enterprise management, now we're trying to basically embrace orchestration, right? Which mm-hmm. is this which is now this event-driven shift, right? So before, when I was starting to automate, I was doing tasks. Now I I want to start to orchestrate. Now I'm trying to basically take a collection of tasks or build an assembly line or a pipeline or whatever you, however you want, want to frame it to basically go and have this thing be resulting as like a product, right? So I like to think of the terms as, you know, automation, is largely about the configuration of a device, right? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. ideally mm-hmm. in a network, you have to do in, in these very specific steps where orchestration is about the provisioning of a environment or an event. So, you know, you can think of it as, uh, especially with networking, on one hand, I have to, I have to provision an environment, you know, which mm-hmm. might be the, the racking and stacking of hardware or I need to basically deploy a lot of virtualized network appliances or a networking um, software-defined networking environment on top of hardware, right? Those, that's more along the lines of orchestration, right? Or provisioning. And then I still have to deal with all the configuration management. And then what happens is I need to manage this, right? Because networking is not something you can just automate. Right. I can't just magically come up with a set of firewall rules if I don't understand how you need to build a security policy. Right. Um, I can't just randomly just generate uh, an L2 network or an L3 network that needs to have network identifiers, um, VLAN IDs, IP addresses. So now in order to basically go down this journey, I have to have a lot of sources of truth. Right. Or or these large inventory systems to mm-hmm. basically manage all this for me, right? So now, mm-hmm. so now we've gotten from, first I wanted to write a script where I wanted to basically configure a network device to now, hi, I wanna basically manage this very complex ecosystem with all these different components, with all of these different data set variables, and then I have to coordinate all of this, right? This is a very daunting thing yeah. for anybody to think about and if you're a, you know, a WAN manager or a network manager or a firewall platform manager, or if you're responsible for basically facilitating that, you're sitting there trying, well, how am I going to manage this? Now, the way it's been historically dealt with has been um, vendors provide, you know, management GUIs and, and environments. Right. But, right. you know, if you're basically working in a scenario where I have three or four or five vendors, right? Each one of those products is doing different things. I now have to basically mm-hmm. support interfa- interfacing with um, cloud providers as well. You know, right. I keep adding onto uh, the list of interfaces that I have to manage. So now I get into this challenge of, I need the manager of managers, right? Mm-hmm. Or I need to buy a third party broker administrative product, right? And and that's, that's a whole new trend that's coming. So- Great. Where do you start? 
mm-hmm. right? You know, how, how do I, what, what's my, what, what does that path look like for an enterprise? Like I can keep buying products and then have them deal with one-offs. And that works if you're, if you're staffed in such a way where you've got people who are doing, you know, one specific function, right? Which is largely how a lot of large enterprises Right. Um, try to try to organize themselves, right? I've got people with a specific skill set. They deliver a specific function, right? But that doesn't necessarily work for people who are smaller enterprises, or mm-hmm. um, or for universities, or yeah. any place that has a or networking even, problem. You know, some enterprises have a pretty tight networking team, even if they're pretty large. So I I, I, I run across the gamut from folks who have almost like a mini telco internally and folks who have a a very small team that now, just like you say, especially if they're coming out of an environment where most of of, uh, this work was passed on to a small number of vendors and now it's kind of pulled back onto them because there's a lot more vendors like you you suggested that you have to deal with both in the networking space and the cloud space and the security space. A lot of that used to be, you know, if my data centers were all on campus and I had an MPLS network and I had uh, centralized breakouts with a firewall there, uh, there's a, a lot of simplicity. If I have a team that was made to manage that, I imagine in the in the world we find ourselves in 2022, it's a very difficult situation. You know, it, that's exactly the problem because you 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 built your your environment um, and your ecosystem around your staffing, and mm-hmm. again you made necess- and you made choices to basically manage that. So it's very common that you'll talk to a you know to, to a midsize enterprise. Oh yeah, well we have our firewalls are in our data center and we bring traffic back and whatever. And and the fact is is that if when all your applications were in your data center, that made perfect sense. Right. But right. if you, your applications are now in the cloud and they're all distributed, right? Well, that's not necessarily the best experience, you know? So now we br- have to bring in this brand new type of style of networking, which of course, you know, has, has led to this massive adoption, right? Of, of SD-WAN and, and whether you're managing it yourself or as a, as a managed service, because, you know, your traditional environment, right, which was built around your data center, just isn't really compatible with a with a quality user experience. Right. Um, so that's the that's the shift. And the shift was brought by you moving your applications outside of your control and, and into other environments. But even in those cases, right, you know, most enterprises, once they make a, a serious investment in cloud, tend to basically go down the path where they're basically establishing you know, direct connect relationships where they have, you know, the ability to have dedicated bandwidth and prioritization. So, you know, really um, what's really been amazing with this new public cloud approaches is that now you're sort of seeing the shift away from like, well, it used to be I had to build it myself or I then outsourced it and then someone else built it for me. And now we're in this hybrid world where I can have some of it, you know, where I build it, some of it where somebody else is building it, and some of it which is in the cloud. And, you know, we're really, you know, just to, to, to step off the top for a second, we're really mm-hmm. just beginning to realize the true value of, for enterprises at least, to have distributed, you know, broadly uh, <clears throat> um, delivered applications. Because oh, of course, even that yeah. in itself, right? And I remember, you know, you know, five years ago, having conversations with people on like, well, how can I compete against the a Facebook application or 
um, right. any sort of cloud consumer application at the enterprise level because it's a completely different set of scaling and services, right? Right. But all of that is all driven by automation, right? Mm -hmm. And this big shift mm -hmm. moving from, you know, I mean, anyone who's used Amazon or whatever under, you know, they know what an elastic load balancer is, right? Well, I just, right. I, I increase more capacity, right? Or anyone who's running web services, well, in the holiday season or, you know, during the draft or whatever, I have these massive, you know, expansion requirements where I have to, you know, in increase my capacity and then I have to reduce it. So all of that is the kind of stuff that gets driven through automation at an right. application layer, right? Mm -hmm. At the network level, you're having to basically deal with those same exact challenges. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 you know, so now how do you get there? Right. You know, that's really the, the, the other challenge. How do I get there? And there's a couple of different ways that people will do this. Like some people basically look at it as I start small, right? I, <clears throat> I begin to basically look at, at being able to construct and utilize basic network automation, which is what most network engineers do. Right. A, right. a lot of people just write scripts and, and do that. And the great thing is, is that, you know, with these rise of these much better tools, tools that didn't exist, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, mm -hmm. you know, now there are very large communities that are contributing, you know, amazing code and amazing sets of tools Right. So it makes it there's a much easier way for network engineers to embrace. It's not not as bespoke as it once had to be. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. But just learning those skills is not necessarily enough in the end. Right. Your 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 team or your leadership has to be sort of embrace that change. Right. That now we need to basically move away from bespoke and start to build out these automatable, replicatable structures. Mm. And then mm -hmm. this in turn requires this investment, right? Now, right. you know, the CMDB used to be the, the, the record for servers, right? But, you know, now, um, <clears throat> you know, now we, we, we looked at the CMDBs as, you know, reference sources of truth or reference points for everything, right? Whether it's a, an IP phone or a networking switch or a server or a, a cloud instance or whatever, because you need to be able to use some sort of context, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can create these events, right? right? So that's the thing is that we use terms like, oh, it's event-driven or task-driven or, you know, or terms like um, impotent and, you know, well, if I need my thing to be independent, well, what does that mean? It just means mm -hmm. that if you run the command, it doesn't overwrite what's there, which right. means it's, that it checked right. it first. Right. Right. But that's, that's, but that's critical because I can't, if I run a script and it creates a whole new set of load balancers and it creates a whole new set of, uh, you know, uh, virtual IPs, well, that's going to be a real problem because, right you know, I may just knock out a whole service. So it's, it's being able to go through a process where you're actually able to structure and break down the problem literally almost like by hand. Like I use the analogy of mm. how do you make a peanut butter sandwich, right? <laughs> Can you write a set of instructions for somebody, right. for an alien who didn't know, right. like, right. Well, how would you do that? Right. And mm -hmm. it's, it's that kind of process, but that takes a little bit of discipline and everyone wants to shortcut because as a as humans we are always able to adapt contextually so 
we'll skip these things. Oh, I don't need this. Well, wait a second. If you know, back to the peanut butter sandwich analogy. If you wanted to make a peanut butter sandwich, but you didn't have peanut butter, could you make the sandwich? Right. Well, now I need to get peanut butter, right? Yeah. So you can go as far back. You're like, well, I have to get a job, and then I have to right. have a car so I can drive to the store to get the mm. peanut butter. So, and again, that's another challenge. It's being able to define that problem. How do mm. I basically frame the problem? What do I establish as the base context? Like these things need to be in place in order for me to be able to go forward and create right. something. So you have to take uh, a, a very systematic approach and frame right each of these automation tasks and then again these orchestration tasks in these frameworks that are that are defined so that you know well these are the data components or these are the resources that i need to basically make this work mm -hmm. right if it's something that's already been in place there has to be a logic that checks it and verifies yes you know, I want to make this change or no, I don't want to make this change. And again, there's a lot of software platforms out there that, that do do this, which is another path you can go. But mm -hmm. even with those tools, you still have to make this investment, right? With this, this business process or, or, or engineering effort where you're starting to think about how you're going to manage these things. And right. I think what I see, especially for people who are trying to get into network automation, is that they tend to be very easily able to focus around the task that's easy right it's pulling um, back for that's a network hard, right? so, yeah. it's the pulling back whereas right. a whereas a systems person or a software person the idea of all of those component pieces that orchestration that's bread and butter for them because mm -hmm. that's what they've had to do their whole lives well I, I need a server for the web thing to run on so i gotta have that and then i you know it's it goes back to context mm -hmm. so you know as a as a manager right what you're sort of trying to basically do is sort of set, uh, you know, a set of expectations of, you know, what do you see the business value of from what, that you're going to get from network automation and from network orchestration, right. and then figure out, well, how do we want to basically take the approach to do this? Because inevitably, we're going to have to make some investments in you know, our inventories. What kind of data do we need in those inventories? How do we manage things like like VLAN identifiers or anything, right? It it goes back to your your ability to basically accelerate this journey is just as dependent upon what you were doing in the past. If you have a very good mm -hmm. um, operational environment where you have uh, effectively documented things and you have a clear vision for how things are operationally, you know, it's a much easier journey. If you have a very large environment that you can keep that you keep running because you have effective monitoring and, and it's been engineered well, but you don't necessarily have right the granular picture of things, you'll find your network automation journey is much harder because mm -hmm. now you're sort of having to go back and and sort of re-envision your your environment because you need to have um, these data points so that you can create these event driven, right, or task oriented you know, deliverables. Right. Well, and, and I assume in, in this kind of scenario, you're also dealing with the fact that if I'm, you know, sort of tasked with the the management of this, with getting each of those individual sort of uh, IT infrastructure team members to work on these, uh, you know, writing out these new scripts and finding these new event-driven things to, to automate, we're still in an environment where we have to 
keep a continuity going with whatever we had in place already and however we're adding that on top, right? So that's got to be a big challenge as well, that that this has to happen at, uh, on top of, um, you know, probably a lot of teams already, you know, thinner than they would like to be, you know, keeping ev- keeping all the lights on everywhere, right? So, you know. yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that is a very large challenge. And especially, right, in... In, especially in the context of the times we're in right now, because most businesses are in some phase of a transformative journey, right? Mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. trying to basically how to embrace this new digital world we live in. So where you have the challenges are is, uh, you know, from a resourcing perspective is on one hand, you're being driven to basically, you know, deliver more with less, right? right. You see automation, as a, as a as a pathway to basically enable that, right? But you may or may not be able to really be able to realize that because you, do, you still have a job. Have, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You still have a job, yeah. and and the and the fact is is that because of the way your job is, you didn't you don't have the the the, the foundation to basically drive that journey. So you know that's why it's it's so key as a manager, right? As as a as a, as a networking manager to be very clear about what the business value investment right. and return right. is, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, whereas the tendency is, you know, well, <clears throat> we were shifting, we're trying to shift away from, from technology driven problem solving to right to business solving. We're trying to build right. a environment where we're coupling technology with the business to, you know, to accomplish desired outcomes. So the challenge, right, is is explaining. So yes, we, we you know we're completely on board with that, but we need to basically make an investment on our side. And I right. think sometimes that gets lost because you know there isn't necessarily always a clear understanding of of the complexity or the challenges of technology, right, from the business side. So so part of that is you know as a manager you have to basically be that person that's translating that right mm-hmm. who's basically saying so this is why this is this way not in you know some you know well uh, you know we're having a memory buffer overrun and something that somebody doesn't understand it has to be very sort of down right. to earth you know clear concise this is why you need to make this investment this is what mm-hmm. this will return to you in, in terms of the business and and that's the case and the problem is that if you don't have that approach what you have is what we had right at the beginning of the century when we were going through the great i'm going to outsource everything phase right. yes. and yeah. oh we're going to outsource our network and it's going to be cheap mm-hmm. and it's not cheap it costs us yeah. five times as much and we can't go back because we, we don't we have anything on board now yeah and it, you know, it always, since so, you're going back to the turn of the century, it always reminds me of, of the movie Office Space when uh, you know it's like I take the orders from the customers and I give them to the engineers. <laughs> the engineers aren't, don't have people skills, right? That's like that's that's one of the really hard things about sort of IT infrastructure, any kind of IT management, is that your bosses have no idea what you're talking about, and and to be able to translate, uh, you know, just something as basic as budgets to, to, uh, you know, what is needed from the network. And especially in this environment, increasingly, I say this a lot, but that the network is now starting to see, be seen as, as more of a business enabler than a, a, uh, something that's reactionary to requests from, from the rest of the, the company. Right. And so, um, that, that conversation oh, is, 
is as a real skill, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah. The, uh, and and the thing is, is that, and again, you're as a as a manager, you're competing against everything that 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 the, those managers that those non-technical people mm -hmm. are experiencing every day in their lives. Well, right. I get these, these, I get updates from Facebook and I, you know, it's there, there, they benefit or, um, or sort of, uh, <clears throat> you know, they live in this world. It's like, well, look at how all this, this all works, right? Mm -hmm. Why can't mm -hmm. right. my Why, this, this should work this, for us? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, and, and while again, it, it's just been amazing, right? The kind of things that that enterprise has been able to accomplish with the cloud in the last you know decade, in terms mm -hmm. of being able to deliver those kind of you know really meaningful user experiences. Right. The thing that that, that still comes with that is is that there's so much that's happening around in the background, right? That sometimes comes about from that's just it's happened because we've over-engineered or we've overbuilt or we've, mm -hmm. you know, we've over. So it was funny. I, I, this, this is five or six years ago. I was at a conference and, and somebody was coming upstairs. It's like, so um, I'm going to talk to you about cloud security. But the first thing I'd like to be clear is, can we all agree that cloud is not necessarily less expensive? And <laughs> then there was like this, this, and <laughs> yeah, this uproaring of laughter and whatever. Right. But the funny thing about it was, is that at the time, right, you know, the conversation that he was trying to basically frame was, yes, it's more expensive right now, right? Mm -hmm. It is more expensive, but it won't necessarily be more expensive in the right. long term, right? Because mm -hmm. really, you know, that's the thing about this, about the journey is, is that, we're giving you the tools to basically be able to to sort of move into the water, right? Mm -hmm. It you know, so you might be complaining that I don't have the manager of managers, right? But you do have the ability to at least be able to enable and deliver, right, in a way that was better than what you had before when you had nothing. Mm -hmm. But now you now the path is there for you to basically, you know, figure out how to make it more cost effective how to make it make it more um, <clears throat> flexible and and to, to deliver the outcomes you want and that's where the shift is is having to rethink right i deploy this i do this and then i'm done and and we're, we're done it's right you're having to basically make this shift as a professional mm -hmm. to be right somebody who's helping the business guide uh <clears throat> you know uh down the path to really realize its technology potential. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to do that. So, so that communications piece, as you're saying, is so critical because if you can't do that as the, as this manager, right, it, it, it creates a, it creates a very difficult path for you. And, and then at the same time, you're trying to get your engineers to sort of rethink how they do things because mm -hmm. now they have to be more aware of, you know, of what the business value is. And they're like, but I'm a technologist. I, I, I right. just solve things like it's everything right. is black and white. It's binary to me. And it may be, but, but it's not that hard to basically say, well, this binary black and white thing makes it possible for you to support the business, right. To mm -hmm. deliver, uh, improve customer experience, right. To, you know, enable, um, expansive growth, right. you know, it's, we forget, that you know, that a lot of companies um, 
that you know are really seen as real early technology pioneers right they had to build all of this themselves right mm -hmm. the funny thing is for those kind of companies right they're in the process of now saying wow we built all this stuff but it's 20 years old you know what now because we we pioneered that well now there's an entire marketplace and an entire ecosystem that basically provides the same thing and then they do it better faster and cheaper right but now we have to figure out how to transition right, right? exactly so this, exactly yeah so sure so we're everyone is going through this in this experience mm -hmm. right and it's just simply understanding that you know you have to be able to go back and embrace right m much more fundamentally right how you see things right mm -hmm. it's not just about an automated task it's not just about orchestration it's not just about why do i need to buy this platform or this platform this platform it's more about a uh, an approach where you have to think more um structurally and sort of realize that you know there's a sort of a <clears throat> there's sort of a virtue in being um, ocd right yeah, or being right, you know a little a little retentive because right. that's what really makes it possible for you right. to deliver that kind of automation scale mm -hmm. yeah it will and I, i'm also picking up from all of this too that there's there's an element of kind of uh, you will never arrive. There, there, there's kind of the idea of like, okay, there's uh, here's the place that I want to be. We we acquired the skills, we deployed everything. It's all running. We're done. But in a way that that might never materialize because the the ground is always shifting underneath you, and there's always new demands uh, from from the business side, from uh, you know things like shadow IT popping up and all of that that uh that there there's never necessarily an endpoint where the the you know the transformation is complete like your example of you know the folks who had to design these tools 20 years ago and then all of a sudden now because of economies of scale the tools that they designed are out there cheaper and 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 better and and more efficient and so you know you, then you have to transform again right that you'll you'll essentially be transforming forever perhaps that's the job right you know Exactly. That I mean, that that is sort of the job, you know. And and frankly, you you sort of want that to you want that to be happening, right? Because mm -hmm. again, that's where right the economies of sale come in. That's where you start to get the cost reduction. That's where you basically that's how you get the agility, and that you know, and that ability to really deliver um, the value. And and I think that's what you know. I mean, after 30 years of this, that's the one thing I keep coming back to. It's like when we were year at the beginning, it was just about how do I even get this to work, right? Mm -hmm. Then it refines and refines and refines. And now it's so ubiquitous that nobody even realizes, you know, everything that is happening. And and the fact is, is that a lot of that elegance came from that these people who who built a lot of these foundational things embraced these simple sort of ideas of like you know we want things to be simple we want them to be extend extendable we want them to be modular right mm -hmm. you know apis right which you know were not necessarily something that were embraced well at the beginning mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. have become the cornerstone mm -hmm. of how everything has worked but they are right. completely born out of that idea of this simple, extendable, modular, simple approach, right? right? I want to take a collection of tools, right? And and this is why we all need to basically every year thank Ken Thompson and Dennis Ritchie, who 
created Unix and created mm -hmm. this sort mm -hmm. of mindset mm -hmm. of taking these, right, simple component pieces and basically building them in to pipelines or into task oriented delivery. Because right. if if it hadn't been for that elegance, right, at the beginning, you know, where we are today would never even be possible. Right. So, right. you know, I, I tell this to all, you know, ne you know, network engineers, if you have to go back and sort of you, you at least should understand how Unix came about and mm -hmm the design principles around it and at least how it works fundamentally because everything is just this you know has come from this right this this very simple approach so it's not so much this challenge that you can't that you can't basically meet it's mm -hmm. it's already there it's it's been broken down for you you just have to be able to sort of embrace the fact that it's there you know we're not asking people to come up with and, and by the way it's not like we invented automation you know 15 years ago right, uh right, it was right. you know it, it, it's it's 100 plus years old so the fact right. is is that you know we just have to sort of take a i like to say take a historical approach to this because those skills that you need are probably there you just have to basically pull yourself back from being focused on the problem and looking at it large as, well, how would I accomplish or deliver that problem differently? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. do I need to buy, you know, do I need to buy this massive set of tools? Right. Cause even if I buy the massive set of tools, I still need to have sources of truth. Even if we move everything to the cloud, right. Mm -hmm. We still have to basically be able to use the cloud, right. Mm -hmm. To be able to deliver, right. A customer experience, right. Right that, you know, we, we were, we had, right. In other words, and that's part right. of the, the, again, that's this, this shift, right. That, that of course, you know, that Google and Facebook and Amazon um, as in their commercial, you know, consumer entities, these folks have been basically, you know, managing and dealing with, right. For, right. for the last two decades. Mm -hmm. So they've been, you know, so, so you're, you're trying to get, I mean, Netflix again, there's tons of digital native examples out there. Right. Right. And the question is, is that, you know, you having the sort of, again, set parameters, like what is my business's requirement? What are those experiences? Right. That, that I want to basically mm -hmm. deliver and enable. Right. And how do I do that? And that just starts right with this very, systematic approach of breaking down each one of those delivery problems, right? From tasks to, you know, to orchestration, right? Or to provisioning to delivery, right? And right. as a network engineer, your job is is to sort of, is to work with those teams um, or to be able to build consumable solutions mm -hmm. so that they, that, you know, so that you can enable this kind of software enabled, um, you know, value delivery. Yeah, and, and as you you mentioned, uh, we were talking before uh, the the show about that in this environment, almost everyone is multi cloud. You know, uh, across usually, you know, several, maybe half a dozen, even kind of different cloud providers, depending on how one defines that, and that th these tasks are going to be different, at least in some kind of approach or nomenclature for all of those providers, right? So you're managing all of those while you're trying to manage um, this transformation, you're managing it across different platforms that have different sort of concepts and protocols around all of this, right? So. Exactly. You know, and, and, and it's, 
you know, and this is, these are not, and these are problems that are universal, right? Mm -hmm. These are not, you know, challenges that are specific to any, any one business or, you know, it's just a question of scale, right? If right. you're a pizza parlor, right? And you want to have online ordering, well, I can probably buy a service that'll facilitate that for me, right? Mm -hmm. I, I may not need to do much, but I still need to basically make an investment. I still right. need to make sure that, you know, the data sets that basically you're being presented to my customers are accurate. I, if I'm going to be, you know, communicating with them through social media and all that, I have to build a managed approach to dealing with that. The same applies to a company that's, you know, that's doing automated, you know, manufacturing, right? I, mm -hmm. I still have all the same challenges. I still have all the same problems. The scale is different, right? The skill sets might be different, but but the tools that you need to basically be able to embrace delivering things like that as a network engineer don't change. Mm -hmm. You you mm -hmm. still have to be systematic. You still have to look at it, you know, at at the level of a task. And then at the level of a collection of tasks, and then that tasks become or orchestration pipelines right. or become, uh, you know, reaction or event driven sort of delivery tasks, right? It's a shift, but you're still, the fundamentals are still the same. Mm -hmm. um, and it shouldn't be something that, you know, I, I think that's what happens with a lot of people is, well, I'm, I'm not a software programmer. You know, I, I'm not necessarily a software programmer either, right. but I, you know, but really it's, it's, there are people who write software and then there are people who use software. Network automation is more about using software rather than right. writing software. Right. And that, and that's a distinction that, you know, you need to basically embrace, you know, right. despite there needs to be intelligent use of the software with, yeah. with some knowledge yeah. of how it works, even if you don't have to actually write it. Right. You know? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I've seen a lot of successful approaches where people are like, where they basically, you know, and this is quite common is you is you basically pair right the the expert with a software programmer or a software team mm -hmm. right and they basically do this this cross translation right so it's not necessarily right there are lots of ways to approach this um mm -hmm. you know but but be mindful that no matter what platform you buy or what product you buy or or whatever you start to build yourself if you don't have th that clean data if you don't have these these workflows design and you haven't done that business process engineering, you're just basically, you have to make the investments there first. You, right. you have to make those fundamental right. investments. Um, right. Otherwise you'll and, end up looping back to try to correct all of that once it doesn't work. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's typically what you do see is that what, what you'll, you'll, you will see that most, um, you know, uh, network engineers are, feel relatively comfortable automating tasks, right? Mm -hmm. And are able to get there. It's that next step, right? That is the bigger challenge. Because mm -hmm. when you're just automating a task, right? You, you largely have control or, or more than often it's targeted, right? So mm -hmm. you, you, you're basically trying to do something that's repeatable and you, there's an expectation, right? But when you try to do that at scale and it's event-driven, you you now have to basically add all of this additional um, error checking, right? right. State validation. Um, listen, I do I not do I want to really want to make that commitment change in the middle of the production day or not? And the fact is is that you know that requires a, a different um, type of thinking because now you have to start to really think about 
and I think the, the way I sort of frame it is this way. If I know what level of capacity my network, say, has to run at, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've built in, I built in failure tolerance, right? I mean, most people yeah. have. They're, you know, you're, it's <laughs> like, I just put in one circuit and it works. Yeah, that works for your house, right? right. Until the cable Until breaks and yeah, your exactly. kids are screaming at you that they yeah. can't do play Xbox and they can't watch mm -hmm. Netflix. So, you know, enterprises think beyond that. So they yeah. have, but that building in of redundancy, right? That building in those layers of recovery, right? That's also, you can, you can use that to an advantage to create a better operational experience. Because if you start to look at it as, well, I can accept failure, right? Or mm -hmm. I can accept that not everything is operating, right? Mm -hmm. Now... I can introduce right uh, event-driven automation. I can I can introduce right event-driven change because you have this way of scaling and assessing. Like, okay, well, at I can take, you know, mm -hmm. I can have three network nodes go down, but I can't have more than that, right? And and by the way, this is the same exact approach that any of if you look at any of the platforms that people buy that are self that do automate, they use the same approach. Well, sure. I'll upgrade node oh, node A, and then I'll transition to node B, and so on. So, but but then really sitting down and mapping that real that out, right? And then figuring out the downstream impact and the upstream impact, right? That's part of the responsibility as a network manager or a network engineer to explain what the impact is going to be when I make those changes. Because mm -hmm. really, what you're trying to also get with network automation is is I don't want to say zero downtime, right? But you're trying to basically get into an environment where you have non-disruptive, right, introduction and management of your services, right? Right. So, and that for most businesses is the biggest push, right? Is that's why you're making that investment because where I might have to deal with, you know, quarterly maintenance or I, you know, or I have services that you can't go down or, I mean, every network engineer has a has a story about, oh, I was on a device and, you know, it's it turned out it's been up for 12 years, you know, <laughs> right, right, yeah. you know, and you're like, well, why is that? And you're like, well, I'm not really sure, but, <laughs> you know, and and the fact is, is that, you know, it, it that it's it's those kind of operational things that that basically come into play all the time, especially with tiny staffs or staffs that are basically trying to basically deliver value, right? right. And juggle, right? Historical, um, you know, or, or what we call legacy management, right? So that's where, right, again, the investment is still the same. You, you, you right. have to, you have to have that visibility, you have to establish those sources of truth, and you have to build those processes, regardless of the tooling, you th that's where the big investments are. And those are things that, you know, that a, uh, that an enterprise team can can start to embrace early on, and are not necessarily, you know, disruptive or time uh, intensive in the sense that I have to basically disrupt what I'm currently doing to try and basically support the business, right? right. You can factor right. that in in your in your resource planning to basically really take that, and and it and if you make a steady commitment to that, right, you'll even find that it it just even if you're not automated, it just has a a large return in just increasing stability and um, improving the environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it strikes me that, you know, uh, some of the implications of this might be for, for some of your 
non-technical management consultant colleagues at McKinsey, right, to convince the the other powers that be within the enterprise to to you know facilitate the kind of resources uh, that the IT infrastructure team needs to uh, to make these changes happen, right? So um, you, you you can have a lot more influence, uh, uh, you know, than than maybe some of my uh, podcast guests and in, in changing the enterprise world if you can get to some of your uh, your management consultant colleagues there, right? So. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, it's it's sort of funny. That's one of the things that um, actually it's those kind of changes that I think that the firm has really been dedicated to mm-hmm. basically bring to its uh, its 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 customers. It's I'm sorry, it's our clients. Is mm-hmm. is the fact that right you that embracing a digital journey requires that you have to be um, acutely aware of the investments on both sides, that you have to really mm-hmm. understand right that you're making a commitment to resources um, that's going to basically pay back, right? You know, um, you know, in some cases exponentially, right? It's not necessarily, I think, you know, again, if I, when I think back, you know, five, six, seven years ago, when, oh, we're going to automate everything, we're going to go to software to find, it's going to be, and, you know, and people were, were literally going, well, what am I going to do? My, you know, the reality is, is that it's very clear, you know, in, in the technology field, we do not have enough people. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, so yeah. really, it's not a question that, you know, that anyone can sit there and say, well, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with my career path. That's not the case. There is mm-hmm. there you the thing about the wonderful thing about being in technology is being able to embrace new things, to learn new things, to basically sort of reinvent yourself. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's the key, right, is to understand that, you know, th- th- these are really wonderful new challenges to embrace new technologies. And the thing is, is that if you are willing to take uh, one step further, you begin to realize they're not as new as you think they are. Right. It's just a this evolution, right, again, of this of this forward thinking and this sort of insightful approach of of the early, uh, you know, development people that really made those choices, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And largely, mm-hmm. they got that experience from technologies that didn't have anything to do with computers. They had to do with manufacturing. That had to right. do with, you know, uh, development uh, assembly lines. All these things. So mm-hmm. it's it's very interesting as as you look at it as a circle because you know as we evolve, right? We we tend to as humans, of course, replicate models. But we do learn, right, Mm -hmm. from each time we replicate those models to make them better and to make them more efficient. And so it's not something that you should be looking at as as something you can't do. It's more along the lines of you have to basically shift your thinking and then sort of embrace this, not as a technical problem, but just as a problem. Right, exactly. It's a it's a process problem. Yeah, exactly. All technical pro, all all, te- all technical stuff is just a process, right? You know, so it's you just have to know exactly. the process, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so I think that that's the that's the thing I've I've been I've been telling you know teams for years. It's like mm-hmm. it's not a technical problem. This is a problem. You just need to figure out how to take it apart and then apply a technology solution to it. Right. right? It might be a business problem. You need to apply a technology solution to it. And network automation and orchestration is just a, a one component of that, but it's a new skill set and a new tool set 
that you know that network errors have to basically embrace show that they can basically you know essentially free themselves up to deal with the bigger problems that you're having to deal with or you're being asked mm-hmm. to deal with right mm-hmm. um and i think that's that's where it gets lost um yeah. because god knows there's there's been i keep saying this i said the tooling is amazing i mean just amazing but that tooling came about because there was a demand and that's right. the thing that's that that is you know people miss it's not like these tools have always been there they came mm-hmm. about because some because there was people started looking at this as there's a better way to solve this problem right right we want to make those investments right and and you as a technologist need to need to sort of take the cue from that and saying hey there's a better way to solve this problem and these tools and this methodology and this approach is the approach i need to take rather than you know just sort of sticking with what i know and now sort of embracing right a new way of thinking about it yeah yeah absolutely well i i think there's there's a lot to chew on this may be one that some some folks want to go back and 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 re-listen to um uh, michael is is there any way people can follow you or get in touch with you uh um uh if if they were so inclined you can reach me at uh at martin at outlan.net um that's my that's my that that's the best way to get a hold of me at least yeah um and uh and you know of course i i you know i i'm sure i'll see people at the at the next WAN summit when we actually have yeah. people together at some point hopefully yeah there, there is and, one uh, tentatively scheduled for for june of uh of this year so we'll yeah. see so hopefully yeah. we'll we'll all get together there yeah yeah absolutely all right well yeah it was a real pleasure having you it was, it was a, a dense topic so i appreciate you uh sort of um uh, taking me through it that was excellent all right well enjoyed it very much yeah yeah and and before i go i gotta ask you you're, you're in your workshop um i see like the dead kennedy sticker so i'm i'm a big sort of like you know hardcore metal punk kind of guy what what, what what's your jam <laughs> well actually you know what's funny is um I didn't start off as a, you know, I, I was a very anti, um, you know, technology person. I, mm-hmm. I grew up with, with, um, with family and had worked at Bell and, and engineers. Yeah. And I was very early on, I was like very against it. Like, you know, well, I see in your, I, in I your LinkedIn background, stuff. you're like a philosophy major, right? So <laughs> yeah. So right. So I was yeah. a philosophy major. So, yeah. so for a number of years, right. I was also, uh, I also, uh, was a roadie and I did, uh, nice. <clears throat> yeah. and I, 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 I also repair, you know, vacuum tube amplifiers and, and other mm-hmm. sort of vintage equipment. So it, it sort of came about from there. So, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a, you know, way back in the day, I had very different hair and, you know, <laughs> so, so and, I, yeah. and, and frankly, I keep getting yelled at by my kids. They're like, you know, there's music that's been created in the 21st century that you should <laughs> consider listening to. And I go, yeah. yeah, I'm sure there is. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So. Well, we'll, you go. we'll have to exchange notes sometime. Yes, over we definitely will. Conference there. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks for listening. The WAN Manager podcast comes from the team at Telegeography. It's edited and produced by Jane Miller, and it's hosted by me, Greg Bryan. I also wrote the theme song that you're listening to right now. To learn more about our data, jump over to telegeography.com. Or if you want to get right into more WAN content like you hear on the show, you can visit Telegeography's WAN Forum at WANForum.com. 
We've got all of our podcast episodes over there, WAN Manager survey data, and extra analysis pieces. That's all for now. So until next time, WAN enthusiasts.